I'm excited to share my heart this morning. And I, here's what I really want to do. I have something specific I want to share. I mean, we're, we're, this week was the Feast of Tabernacles, right? Last Sunday, it began the Feast of Tabernacles, and we met under a tent. We didn't plan it at all. It was amazing. Today is the last and final day of the Feast of Tabernacles. Something really uh, uh, it was so powerful it took place a couple thousand years ago on this very day when Jesus stood up and he said, if any one of you are thirsty, come to me and I'll give you something to drink. I, I want to go there this morning, but I really just feel led in, in my heart. Can I begin this morning with a testimony? I, 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 y'all, I can't tell you what, just what I'm feeling Listen, o- over the past several outreaches here at Arise Birmingham, so the first Wednesday of every month, we go on outreach to share the gospel. The second Saturday of every month, we go out. Listen, the past few outreaches, man, we've seen people get saved. Like, like listen, people are coming to know Jesus. Like, the, I can't remember the last outreach when somebody didn't give their life to Jesus Christ. Listen, did, did you know... That the harvest is plentiful. Like the, the crop is as ripe as it ever will be. And I'm not just saying that because I have to or because I'm this evangelist and it's the right thing to say. I'm experiencing this on a daily basis in my life. Everywhere I go, people are hurting. People are hungry for an encounter with the love of Jesus. People are open and vulnerable right now in this season. And one of the things, not only are people longing and looking for something that's real, real love, real peace. There's so many people, they don't have peace. They don't have peace that surpasses their mind and cuts to the heart. But the other thing I'm I'm beginning to really notice is that there's so much deception out in the world. People are starving for the truth. And in John 8, 32, it says, you'll know the truth and the truth will set you free. People are longing and looking for freedom that can only be found in Jesus Christ. They're looking for him. Everybody on this planet is headed towards the cross, whether they realize it or not. And so we've just been seeing this, and it's so exciting. The last, so uh, the first Wednesday of every month, we have outreach. And uh, we just had it two Wednesdays ago, which includes people staying and praying under the, uh, under the tent. Last time we did it under the tent, we had worship music flowing. And people just walked around and began to pray and intercede for our church family, for our city, for our nation for a full hour. When's the last time, man, you were intentional about praying for your city and our nation for a full hour? Yo, you got to come on this first Wednesday to pray and intercede. I, I would like to suggest it could be the, the greatest hour of your month to get in here and pray and then we also have a group that is going out during this hour uh, to deliver groceries from the food pantry to families that are in need to lay hands on the sick to share the gospel and the ultimate goal for these first Wednesdays is for people in our neighborhood to come to us so the past few outreaches we've been passing out flyers and on the flyer it's got our church address and one side's English one side's Spanish and it says from 6.30 to 7.30 on the first Wednesday, you can come to Arise Birmingham and receive groceries and be met with the love of Jesus Christ. Y'all, did you know that the last time we did this, two Wednesdays ago, the first Wednesday, we had two families to come to get groceries. They had kept the flyers that we'd been passing out, and they were in need and showed up. And I took them back to the food pantry room, and I just gave them groceries, and we followed them out to their car. And we had a bunch of people just lay hands on them and speak life over and pray over them. It was so awesome. It was so amazing. 
And so that's, that's, that's the goal. So, but there's a lot of people, they don't know we have a food pantry. So we're trying to get the word out. So we're going on these Wednesdays too. And so two Wednesdays ago, we had a team go and we went to a little Latino community and to a store and we're passing out flyers and passing out snack bags to kids and just loving on the people, praying for people. And this couple walks up, husband and wife, hand in hand, and we're just telling them how much Jesus loves them and telling them about the food pantry. If, if they needed or anyone that they know that needed, we're giving them flowers. And then we just said, hey, can we pray for you tonight? Anything going on in your life that you need prayer for, Jesus is right here. He's right now. He's ready to meet you where you are. And they kind of look at each other and and they said, well, I'm not really sure. And I said, well, let's start here. Is there any pain in your body? And the lady said, my feet have so much pain. My, the bottoms of my feet are always killing me because I'm on them all day long. And I said to her, John Z and Michael Reyes, they were interpreting. She didn't speak very good English. And so I said, John Z, I said, tell her if she will let us pray for her that Jesus will touch her feet right now and all her pain will leave. And so he says that, and she goes, oh, really? Like, that's amazing. So we begin to pray, Jesus, touch your feet. Holy Spirit, come right now. We thank you that your power is available. Pain, get out in the name of Jesus. And we got through. I said, how are you feeling? And she's moving around. She goes, they feel better. They feel better. And I said, yeah, Jesus loves you. He's in love with your feet. <laughs> I said, he's moving on your life. And then I said, I said, ask her if she knows Jesus. Has there ever been a time in her life when she's invited Jesus into her heart? trusted him with her life and she looks at her husband and they come back and respond well we're not really sure about that we're Catholic and something just rose up inside of me I said well you tell them that that's amazing that they're Catholic I said but you also tell them this there is only one way one way into a relationship with God and it's through his son Jesus and it doesn't matter what religion you are you got to have a relationship with Jesus. He's the way, the truth, the life. No one gets to the Father except through Him. They begin to say that, and they begin to like, oh, oh, okay. And I said, ask them if I can share something else. And they said that, and I began to share this simple gospel. I said, Jesus is standing at the door of your heart knocking, and He wants to live inside of you so that you don't just have a religion, so that you have a relationship, and you can walk with Him everywhere you go, every single day of your life, and you will have peace and joy and hope. And they're sharing all that, and then I just begin to say, it's a gift that you get to receive. It's nothing you have to achieve or earn or perform. Religion says you got to earn for it and achieve it. But relationship says it's a gift that you get to receive. And both of them right there in that moment, man, they prayed to receive Jesus as their personal Lord and Savior in that moment right there. And you, listen, I don't know if you understand what a big deal it is when someone gives their life to Jesus. Y'all, it's the greatest miracle in the whole world. When someone says yes to him, and then Michael and I went to another car. There's a lady sitting there, and we were loving on her and praying for her. And she's dealing with so much grief and, and so much just, just, just having just a hard time in life. And she says, I don't have any peace. And tears are coming down her cheeks. And I said, listen, the only way you can have peace is through Jesus Christ. Do you know him? Does he live inside of you? She said, no. I said, do you want to know him? I said, it's better experienced than it is explained, but I have so much peace living on the side of me. I can't even explain it to you. Just watch what happens if you receive it. And right then and there, she gives her life to Jesus. Jesus comes in. She's crying. She goes, I feel that peace that you're talking about. Isn't that awesome, y'all? 
listen, do you know, just this year, we have seen over our outreaches, 24 people give their life to Jesus Christ. 24, and we've just simply, we're just asking them, do you know Jesus? Do you want to give, do you want to give him your life? And, and the answer is yes, as we share the gospel and tell them the benefit of it. Man, and, and I just, you might be thinking to yourself, well, Wes, there's a lot of people in the city. Just 24 is giving their life. Just you tell that to the 24 that gave their life to Jesus. And yes, there is a lot of people in the city, so we got to get going. We got to go preach the good news. You could also, I don't know what this is that's going around. You could be thinking to yourself, Wes, I'm just... You know, that's great, man. You're out and you're sharing the gospel and leading people in the prayer of salvation. I just, is that really working? I just, I don't know. Does a prayer, I just don't think that a prayer saves anybody. I couldn't agree with you more. A prayer does not save anybody. Jesus saves. But a prayer is a great place to start. Acts 2.21 says, whoever calls upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. What a great place to start to say, hey, listen, Jesus is knocking on the door of your heart. If you'll call out to him, he'll come and live inside of you. What a great place to start their journey in their relationship with Jesus Christ. Hey, look at me, church. Don't outthink it. Don't overcomplicate it. Just go. Go preach the good news to all creation because people are hurting. People are in need. And the good news is Christ Jesus was crucified for you and everyone else around you. Y'all, we, we're sitting at home and we're trying to come up with this, these reasons of why or how we should share the gospel. And is it really sticking? Should we lead people in a prayer? Get over yourself. Go share the gospel, man, with people from such a place of love. And watch Jesus move, man. Are you happy? That felt a little intense for me, but are you happy? It, I'm just a little passionate about the gospel. And I, I share all that for this reason too, y'all. Our, our food pantry has been such an incredible tool. And not only meeting physical needs, but meeting spiritual needs. I mean, because I, I believe people are crying out for so much more than a physical need. They're, cry, they're thirsty, man, for the spiritual. And it's been such an incredible tool to meet people where they are, bless them, and then pray over them and share the gospel with them. So I just want to thank everybody. Thank you for pouring in to the food pantry. And if you feel led, man, continue to do it. We, we actually have a list of food pantry items that you can go to the store and get. It's right there in the foyer. You can grab one, take out. It's got a list of stuff. And if I could just be a little vulnerable with you uh, this morning. Uh, our food pantry is getting low because we're passing out so much food. Listen, this year, we have taken groceries to 174 families in our community. Isn't that awesome? 174 families. And I guarantee you, all the 174 were prayed for and loved on. And, and which leads me to this, too. I, I want to make this quick announcement. There will be more details to come. But next month, November the 19th, it's a Saturday morning at 930, is our Thanksgiving outreach. And some of you remember it from last year. We, we gathered on that Saturday morning before Thanksgiving, and we passed out 50 Thanksgiving meals to families in our city. With, I mean, full-on turkeys and the sides and everything. And this year, we're going to do 75. And then next year, I want to do 100. And then I want to do 125. I want to take it up 25 every single year. But we're partnering, too, with four schools. Four different schools this year. Grantswood Community School, Irondale Community School, Irondale Middle School, and Shades Valley High School. If I, if I had more time, 
I'll share with you another time the testimony of me going to Shades Valley High School not knowing anybody and how the Holy Spirit took me in the school and set me down with the counselor and we talked for 45 minutes about Jesus. I'm beginning to build relationships with the counselors in these schools and they're sending lists of families, man, with their addresses who are in need that need a Thanksgiving meal. Isn't that amazing? Uh, next week we're going to have a sign up for you to be able to sponsor these meals and also sign up to deliver these meals Saturday, November the 19th. Are you happy? Are you excited? Man, I, I want to, this morning I want to share just something that, that I've been walking with with the Holy Spirit and, and that is it. I want to talk about the Holy Spirit this morning. I, I, I want to talk about the Holy Spirit being the key to our life as believers. Church, do you know that? That the Spirit is the key. And I mentioned this earlier, and I want, I'm going to circle back around to, to this, but in John 7, 37 to 39, you know, today is the last day of the Feast of Tabernacles. There was a really powerful, important, significant ceremony that takes place, and in the middle of it, Jesus stands up a couple thousand years ago today, and he declares in a loud voice, if any one of you are thirsty, you need to come to me, and I will give you something to drink. And he's referring to the Holy Spirit. And here's what the scripture says in Galatians 5.16. It says that we are to walk by the Spirit. And in Romans uh, chapter 8, verse 14, it says, those who were led by the Holy Spirit are sons and daughters of God. How do you know if someone is a son or daughter of God? They're being led by the Holy Spirit. They're living with a conscious awareness of the Holy Spirit every day and every moment of their life. And here's what I want to start off saying this morning is that living with an awareness of the Holy Spirit is the key to an effective, powerful Christian life. Amen? When we live with this awareness that every day I wake up, oh man, the Holy Spirit's here with me. Everywhere I go, He goes. Every step I take, He steps. Every time I open up my mouth, He opens up His. Like everywhere I go, I'm aware. And I'm aware throughout my day that He's with me and that I can talk to Him. It's called praying without ceasing. I can talk with Him and He listens. And not only can I talk with Him, but He speaks and talks to me throughout my day. For me and for the sake of the world around me. Because I live with an awareness of the Holy Spirit. It's the key to an effective, powerful Christian life. It, he changes the game, y'all. Let, let me give you just a few examples of Him being the key. When we live with an awareness of the Holy Spirit, we discover, if this is true for me in my personal walk, the more I live with an awareness that He is with me, the more I begin to hear from God more clearly. Are you with me? The more I live with an awareness of the Holy Spirit, the more I realize, man, I actually hear from God better than I think that I do. I actually realize that He's actually always speaking because I live with an awareness. And there's so many believers, man, they either believe that God doesn't speak or believe that they don't hear from Him very well. And the number one reason that so many believers think that they don't hear from God or God doesn't speak is simply because they don't wake up every day anticipating His voice in their life. When we live with an awareness of the Holy Spirit, it leads us to actually anticipating His voice. And anticipating His voice leaves us going, wow, He really does speak. Listen, so many times, believers, we forget that the very heartbeat of God is, I love you, I want to connect with you, and I want intimacy with you because you are my child and I'm your father. 
and a father speaks to his children. Are you with me? Romans 8.15, it says God no longer makes you a slave again to fear, but instead he has given you the spirit of adoption. And by him we cry, Abba, Father. We've been adopted into his kingdom as sons and daughters. You better believe a father speaks. John 10.4, it says the sheep follow him because they know his voice. And when you and I live with an awareness of the Holy Spirit everywhere we go, it leads to this anticipation. Oh, he's going to speak to me today, and I'm excited to hear what he has to say. The next thing you know, you realize that you hear from him better than you think you do. Amen. Living with an awareness of the Holy Spirit allows you to discern, well, this is good and this is evil really quick. How do you know what I'm talking about? When I'm living with this, everywhere I go, the Spirit goes, and I'm leaned into Him. I'm allowing Him to lead my life. I quickly realize that is a stranger's voice, and that is the voice of God. And the stranger's voice, I want no part of. Are you with me? That does not look like Jesus. It doesn't sound like Jesus. It doesn't smell like Jesus. I want nothing to do with it. Because I know that the Holy Spirit is leading me towards the heart of the Father. That what He has for me is so much better than what anything else could ever offer me. It's the Holy Spirit. He's the key to an effective, powerful Christian life. When we live with an awareness of the Holy Spirit, when it comes to our faith and being a witness, man, we quickly realize it's not about me. It's about the Spirit in me, the Spirit through me, and the love for the people around me. And I quickly realize, man, the pressure's off. (laughs) And it's less about what I say and how I say it and more about my willingness to open up my mouth and say something because I know that the Holy Spirit is perfect in everything that he does that he will move and flow through me if I make myself available amen living with an awareness of the Holy Spirit will change your life it's the key to an effective powerful Christian life and if the Spirit is the key to a powerful life Jesus is the reason we have that key like, let me just show you how the Father the Father God, the Son and the Holy Spirit how they work together this has been a family unit from the beginning. Right? If the Spirit is the key to effective, powerful Christian life, the reason I had that key is because Jesus was willing to come, be crucified, resurrected, and ascended so that the Spirit could come and live and dwell in me and rest upon me so that I could have the key to a powerful Christian life. If the Spirit's the key, the reason we have the key is because Jesus came. And the reason that Jesus came is because for God so loved. He so loved me, He gave His Son Jesus. Jesus came, he was crucified to be resurrected so that when we believe in him with a heart and invite him into our life, we receive him through the agency of the Holy Spirit and with the Spirit comes power. And it didn't stop there. Jesus came, crucified, resurrected, and then he ascended so that the Spirit could come. You see how it all works together. It all flows together. In the book of John 16, 7, Jesus is talking with his disciples and, and he tells them, hey, listen, it is best for you that I go. Because if I don't go, the Spirit won't come. As a matter of fact, in one version it says, it is to your advantage that I go. It's going to work out so much better for you. And the disciples didn't like this. The disciples did not like the idea of Jesus being crucified and then being apart from them. But essentially, this is what Jesus is telling the disciples. Listen, you have been in my physical presence. And followed me in my physical presence. But now my presence is going to be in you. And that is going to change everything. You have been in my presence. But now my presence is going to be in you. And it's no longer going to be about you trying to follow me. You can actually become like me. And do the same things I've been doing. Even greater things than these. 
How? How can we do? I'm jumping. How can we do the same things Jesus did even greater? Because the same spirit that was on him is the same spirit that is in and on us. That same spirit is the key to an effective, powerful Christian life. He is the key. When we live in awareness of him, we begin to do what Jesus did. We begin to get the same results that he got because the spirit is the key to an effective, powerful Christian life. In the book of John, chapter 16, verse 14, Jesus says, uh, the, the Holy Spirit's going to take what is mine and make it known to you. In other words, the Holy Spirit is going to help you walk like me and talk like me. He's going to take everything that's mine. And he's going to come and live inside of you and rest upon you. And you're going to do everything I just did, even greater things. He's going to help you. He's the helper. John 14, 16, Jesus describes the Spirit as the helper, the counselor, the comforter, the advocate, the paraclete. This is the key to our Christian life. And Jesus talked about this key all throughout his ministry. All throughout the ministry of Jesus, he is sharing with his disciples. They're actually, he's not just sharing, they're seeing him demonstrate the power of the Holy Spirit and showing them that this is what they can have to, this is what they can walk in, this is the key to an effective life. And so we get to John 7, 37 through 39. And Jesus again begins to describe this key. Jesus is at the Feast of Tabernacles. And just to, to, to go over one more time what the Feast of Tabernacles is, Jeremy and Melody shared on it last Sunday. It was so powerful. And then if you were here this past Wednesday, Yvonne shared on it. But the Feast of Tabernacles is a seven-day celebration where they're celebrating, remembering, and commemorating the way that Jesus provided and took care of them in the desert. They're celebrating the fact that they were led by the presence of God through the Sinai Desert. And they lived in these tents or these tabernacles. And God provided and took care of them. And so this seven-day feast, they set up tents and tabernacles in the streets. And they have their meals there. And they sleep there. And it's all to celebrate and thank God for all that he's done in the way that he has provided. Right? And see, what's so amazing about that now, y'all, is that we're celebrating the fact that Jesus came to tabernacle with us. That word tabernacle means to dwell. Jesus came to dwell with us so he could be crucified and then resurrected and then ascended so that we could become the new tabernacle that his presence, the Holy Spirit, lives in and rests upon. Amen? And so this is the Feast of Tabernacles. And then you get to the last day. On the seventh and final day, there's a water ceremony. And what takes place during this day is the priest takes a golden pitcher and he dips it in the pool of Siloam and he brings it to the temple courts and he pours it out on the altar. And essentially what this day and what this ceremony means as the priest pours out the water, they are expressing their hope for future provision. They spent the whole week thanking God for his previous provision and now this water ceremony, they're essentially saying, God, we are expressing our, our hope-filled anticipation for you to send the rains to water the crops so that we could have a mighty, mighty harvest. Amen? Now watch. There was so much more and such a deeper cry going on with the Israelites in the day of Jesus. See, the Israelites were destitute. They were so spiritually dry 
They were crying. Some of them probably realized it and knew what they were crying out for more. Probably many of them had no idea. But there was this deeper cry for more than just God to send rainwater. There was a cry, a deep cry for a Savior. For God to pour out His Spirit. For God to pour out the living water. Not just the rainwater. Are you with me? This was the cry that was going on in their heart. Whether they realized it or not. They were crying out for the Savior and they didn't recognize that the Savior they were crying out for was right there among them and His name was Jesus. So we're at the last and final day and Jesus is there. And I want you to notice it says in John 7, 37, it says, and Jesus stood up. So it probably meant that He and everyone else was sitting down. And you got to understand something. This, this water ceremony, this is a holy moment. This is a sacred time. If parents had kids, this would be the moment where you go, sit down. Shh. Be quiet. Stop messing with each other. This is our cry for the rainwater, right? But there's a deeper cry going on here. Shh, sit down. And in this holy, sacred moment, everybody's sitting down. Can you imagine the priest is getting ready to pour out the water? And it says, and Jesus stood up. And it says, he said in a loud voice, if any one of you are thirsty, you come to me and I will give you something to drink. And whoever believes in me, just as the scriptures have said, rivers of living water will flow from within you and out of your heart. And by this, he meant the Holy Spirit. Again, he is referring to the key of an effective, powerful Christian life. And essentially, this is what Jesus is saying. He says, listen, you're thirsty for rainwater, but what I have to offer you is way more. What I have to offer you will never run out. It will never run dry. There will always be more. You can drink up and drink up and drink up and drink up. You can have as much as you want. Woo! What I have to offer you will never run out. What I have to offer you will not only quench your physical thirst. It will quench that spiritual hunger and cry that you've been longing for. I have the Holy Spirit, the key to an effective, powerful life. Are you happy this morning? But look, one might ask this question. I, I ask this question too. Do you think that Jesus, when he said, uh, I, I will give you rivers of living water. Do you think that he was referring to well, the indwelling of the Holy Spirit when we are born again and we invite Jesus into our life? Ephesians 1.13, it says that when you believe, God gives you the Holy Spirit. You receive the Holy Spirit and become a son or daughter of God. It's the indwelling. Or do you think that Jesus was referring to the baptism of the Holy Spirit, being filled with the Holy Spirit? And I would like to answer that by saying this. Yes. Yes, rivers. Notice that it says rivers of living water will flow within you and also out of your heart. I want you to understand something, man, that Jesus is essentially saying, listen, this river wants to live in you and you're also supposed to live in the river. Here's what I feel like Jesus is saying is, listen, man, it's not and or, it's both. You are going to want everything that Jesus offers when it comes to the Holy Spirit. Are you happy?
coffee this morning. It's not an indoor. It's not a choice. We need to be born again and we need to be filled with. Sister, our cup's supposed to overflow. We, we ain't ever supposed to run out. We're supposed to burn. We need the river in us. We need the river on us. We need, the ri- we need to swim our way through life. It's a river. And scriptures are really clear that there is a distinct difference between the indwelling of the Holy Spirit, coming to know Jesus and receiving the Spirit and being baptized in the Spirit. There's a big difference. In the book of John chapter 20, verse 21, Jesus is talking to his disciples right before he ascended, and it says, Peace I give to you. And he breathes on them, and they receive the Holy Spirit. That's when they were saved or born again. Right? And there's a big difference between the disciples' first experience with the Holy Spirit when Jesus breathed on them and they received, and their second experience with the Holy Spirit in Acts chapter 2 on the day of Pentecost. Are you tracking with me this morning? I know some of you are thinking about this. Don't outthink it. It's a river. It's a river of living water. See, the Bible also says after Jesus breathes on them and, and they receive the Holy Spirit, he also says, but you need to wait in the city, Luke 24, 49, wait in the city to be clothed with power so that you can pick up where I left off, so that you can do the same things I've been doing even greater. Acts 1, 8, it says, when the Spirit comes upon you, you shall receive power to be my witnesses. In Matthew chapter 3, 11, uh, John the Baptist says, there's one that's coming after me and he will baptize you with the Spirit and fire. Now listen, when you receive the Holy Spirit, he comes into you. When you're baptized, you go into him. Are you with me? And, and, and it, it, which one? Is, it's both. It's a river. It's a river of living water that flows within you and out of you. Think of it like this. In John 21, 21 Jesus says, peace I give to you and he breathed on them. When we receive the Holy Spirit, we receive peace. This peace that I was trying to explain a second ago, and I'll share in the gospel, that it's better experienced than it is explained. This peace that comes from knowing that I'm a son of an amazing father. This peace that comes from knowing that he is with me, that he's for me, he's working all things for the good. This peace that comes from knowing that there's nothing I can be faced with that Jesus hasn't already won the victory over. This peace that comes from knowing that there is someone inside of me setting me up to live a victorious life, to walk just like Jesus. But then there's this power that comes upon you. Peace and power is for transformation. It's for bringing change to the world. Peace, power. Power, peace. Which one is it? It's a river. It's a mighty Russian river that flows. It's both. Notice that Jesus uses the language of the river. When you think of a river, you don't think of a little small trickling stream. When, when, when Jesus says the river, he's referring to a flood. He's referring to a torrential downpour. It's the river of living water. And it's so amazing, y'all. In the book of Ezekiel, chapter 47, Ezekiel talks about this same river. The prophet Ezekiel talks about this same river that Jesus is referring to when he says the rivers of living water. In Ezekiel 4, uh, uh, Ezekiel chapter 47, Ezekiel gives this vivid portrayal, this vision. He says, I share a vision with you. And in the vision, Ezekiel saw a temple. And out of the temple flowed a river. And the temple that he was referring to, we know now, is us now. We're the temple that the river flows through. And the river that he's referring to is the Holy Spirit. 
but Ezekiel is painting this prophetic physical picture. There's this temple, and out of this temple flowed this river. And he said, this man approached me in this vision, and he showed me this river coming from this temple, and he measured a hundred cubic feet. And Ezekiel said, I walked out a hundred cubic feet, and I was up to my ankles in this river. How many of you know you can have as much of this river as you want, or you can have as little of it as you want? There's always more. How many know when Ezekiel got into ankle deep of the river of the presence of God, that probably felt good. <laughs> He's like, oh, this, this is so good. I just want to stay here. And then the man measured a hundred more cubic feet. And he says, Ezekiel walked out and he was up to his knees. How many know that being in your knees in the river is way better than being in your ankles? I was imagining that Ezekiel goes, oh, now this is even better. I just stay right here a little longer. And the man goes, no, no, no. He measures out a hundred more. And Ezekiel says, now I'm standing in my waist up to this river. How do you know that waist deep is better than knee deep? And Ezekiel goes, oh, shoo, this good right here. And the man goes, I'm not done yet. He measures a hundred more. And Ezekiel discovers that he's no longer standing on the ground. He discovers that he's in over his head. He's swimming in this river. Wow, swimming. And then he says, as I begin to swim, I noticed that everywhere the river flowed, there was life. And then I noticed on the battle banks of this river, there were these beautiful trees. And they had fruit. And the leaves were the healing for the nations. It refers to this same river in the book of Psalms, chapter 46, verse 4. It says, And a river whose streams make glad the city of God, upon whose banks are trees with the leaves that are healing for the nations. Look, watch. This is what Ezekiel's point out. Now we are that temple. We're that tabernacle. That river is the Holy Spirit living in us, flowing out of us. And everywhere we go, we get to bring life. And everywhere we go, we bring healing for the nations because we have the Holy Spirit. And when we live with an awareness of this Holy Spirit, it's the key to an effective, powerful Christian life. The Spirit changes everything. And you can have as much or as little as you want. He ain't going to make you. Boy, I, he could. I've seen him make a few people. But he offers it. As a gift, the Holy Spirit is a gift. Jesus has made it available. The indwelling of the Holy Spirit and the baptism with the Holy Spirit. Hey, everybody look at me, church. This is not a far-fetched thing. This is not like, man, I got a... Man, I've been... First of all, being born again is just the most simple thing you can do. Whoever calls upon the name shall, shall be saved. Whoever calls upon his name. Come on, he's right there ready to come inside of you. But then I think sometimes when we begin to talk about a baptism of the Holy Spirit or something like that, people go, man, I just, it hadn't happened for me and I want it. Or I just don't know what that looks like. And it's just as simple as opening up your hands and saying, I want it. It's available. Don't outthink it. Don't put a theology around it. 
It's the outpouring of the Holy Spirit that God sent that is longing, man, to live in you and rest upon you. Jesus is eager, just as eager as he is knocking on the door of your heart to come in. He's right there tapping you on the shoulder. I'll dip you in this liquid fire. And you'll never be the same again. Peace and power. Peace and power. You can have as much as you want. This will sound a little off color, but you know that Heineken commercial? And that guy at the end of the commercial, he goes, stay thirsty, my friends. So many times, that's what I feel like Jesus wants you and I. Stay thirsty, my friends. Would would you just, would you stay thirsty? Would you wake up every day just excited to be alive? Because you're alive in Him. Would you wake up every day and say, Holy Spirit, I am yours today. I'm excited for you to lead me, for you to take me. I'm excited to partner with you. I'm excited to hear from you. I'm excited to talk with you. I'm excited to live with an awareness because I know that when I do, this changes my life. He's the key to everything. And the reason we have that key is because Jesus came. And the reason Jesus came is because for God so loved Stay thirsty, my friends, for the right things, for him. It also says in the book of Ephesians, don't get drunk on wine. Be filled with the Holy Ghost. Sometimes we try to replace being filled with the Holy Ghost with having some wine to make us feel better, to curve our emotions because we've had a long day. I ain't trying to make anybody feel bad. I came with the truth. And the truth is, the Bible says, don't get drunk with wine. Be filled with the Holy Spirit. It's a river that never runs dry. You never have to go to the store to get more. Everywhere you're at, you can turn up your hands and go, thank you, Holy Ghost. Everybody turn up your hands right now. Begin to say, thank you, Holy Ghost. Come on, stay thirsty, my friends. Go ahead and stand up. Come on. He's the river of living water. (laughs) How many know that the Bible says that the kingdom of God is made up of righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Ghost? Stay thirsty, my friends. (laughs) Hey, here's what I want to do. Stay stay in it. Keep, Keep thanking him. Thanking him for more. Just invite him to come right now. I'll never forget being at the Reinhard Bonnke School of Evangelism. And one of the things that Reinhard Bonnke would do in crowds to be filled with the Holy Spirit or just a fresh baptism. And he would have everybody open up their hands just like you're doing. He would count to three and everybody would just give a shout to God. Everybody would just begin to praise God. And the Spirit would come and begin to feel and begin to move and begin to touch and begin to heal. How's about we do that this morning? Look, I'm going to pray for us. And then I want to count to three. And I want to give us to give a shout unto God. And just invite the Holy Spirit to come. And let's receive a fresh baptism, a fresh feeling. Let me tell you something, church. Everybody open your eyes for just a second. Look at me. 
Just because you don't feel something, it doesn't mean that nothing happens. We don't live in a feeling, we live in a relationship. But don't be surprised if you feel something. Amen. Because we're going to invite the Holy Spirit to come. We need a fresh touch. We need a fresh feeling. We need a fresh awareness of His presence. We've been called by God to partner with Him to release His kingdom everywhere we go. Your created, anointed purpose for being alive is to know Jesus and to make Him known. And you need the Holy Spirit for that to happen. Hallelujah! Holy Spirit, we love you. We thank you that you're in this tent. We thank you that you are the river of a living water. And everywhere that river flows, there is life and life abundant. We thank you, Holy Spirit, that we get to live with a conscious, continuous awareness of your presence everywhere we go. We thank you, Holy Spirit, that you are the key to a powerful Christian life. And we want it and we want more of it. So we just invite you to crash in and to come and move in this place, under this tent, in every person's heart. We say, let it rain right now in the name of Jesus Christ. Let it rain. Church, lift your hands up to the heavens right now. We're going to three. We're going to worship. We're going to celebrate. And we're going to let the Holy Spirit feel. You ready? One, two, three. Hallelujah. Open the floodgates to heaven. We want you, Holy Spirit. Roll let it rain.
listen, it's 12 o'clock, man, so if you have kids, man, in just a second, man, make your way to go grab them, but you can come back out in the tent. Hey, Pops, would you play that one one more time? You can come back out in the tent, man, continue to encounter, continue to receive. Hey, listen, if you need prayer this morning, I'll be right here. I'd love to pray with you. If you need to be born again, listen, what a bummer it would be if somebody left the tent this morning and they didn't know Jesus as personal and Savior. He is life. The Spirit wants to come and live inside of you. You've got to make that right. If you're here this morning, you just need more, a fresh feeling. I'd love to pray with you. And I believe with all my heart that we're already experiencing it and already getting it. When we ask, we shall receive. Amen. When we seek, we will find. When we knock, the door will be flung open wide. If you need healing for your body this morning, man, I would love to pray for you to receive healing for your body. We're seeing so many people get healed. I'm seeing people get healed every single day of my life. And it's incredible. And you know why? Because the Holy Spirit is available in power. He's the key and He's here and He's moving and He wants to move through us. We love you. We bless you. Continue to encounter and receive.